0: Welcome to another episode of, uh, talking with me and Alexis J. Soto to the table. This week, we marks the final week in Politica, Political Dystopia Month, right before, um, we find out, uh, our fates (laughs) in the political future, so that'll be fun to find out, um, I wanted to end it with a a fun one here with Mr. Alexis D. Soto. So I gave him the film to watch, V for Vendetta," directed by James McTeague. And I shall give our uh, letterboxed sponsor um, official synopsis of the film. Here we go. People should not be afraid of their governments governments should be afraid of their people in a world in which great britain has become a fascist state a masked vigilante known only as v conducts guerrilla warfare against the oppressive oppressive british government when v rescues a young woman from the secret police he finds in her an ally with whom he can continue his fight to free the people of britain (sighs) How you doing, Alexis Soto? How'd you feel about this film?
1: Well, I mean, there's a lot to say about that, but putting that <laughs> to the side for just a minute, yes. I need to say this. Oh, um,
0: okay. Here we go.
1: The timing of um, Political Dystopia Month again cannot be praised enough. And also, I want to say the order in which we went about such of a- these movies. You know, we began with Fahrenheit 11, and Idiocracy. Then we did Network. And then now we're doing V for Vendetta. And it is so eerie to me how remarkably the timing of which we recorded these episodes have paralleled what's happening in real life. Um, the month of January, I feel like I've aged <laughs> at least five years. Five years because it is, I think, the longest month that I can recall in a long, long time. It's felt the longest in a while. And then also all of the things that have happened. We, we began the month in our timeline Mm -hmm. with a potential world war three happening you have the corona fucking virus out there uh you have an impeachment trial you know public uh faith in the institutions have been crumbling entirely um and then you also have the media propaganda machine trying to take down a a particular candidate like it's been honestly overwhelming um but then also similarly um i think you and i Mm -hmm are in better spirits in this recording (laughs) than the other episodes and how fitting because V for Vendetta can be uplifting
0: it's um the film in particular I think is is hopeful yes Um,
1: so yeah (laughs) it's uh, and and we're hopeful you know I mean some of us are hopeful anyway um V for Vendetta wow it's honestly I haven't and maybe it's just my, my sheer ignorance, and that can happen sometimes, but I haven't heard many people talk about this movie. Really?
0: Um, have, well have you no. heard? Like V for Vendetta is a very yes. big thing. Like the it's the a graphic, big name. Yeah, I've
1: heard that name before. The graphic novel by
0: Alan Moore. Um, like um, right, and anytime you see. People in the streets um, th- throwing gas canisters back at police. There's a good yeah. chance they have a Guy Fox mask, um, <laughs> of yeah. course, from V for Vendetta. Right. Um, so yeah, it's been particularly, I feel, influential on politics. Um, the graphic novel specifically, I, th- I think the because the, the graphic novel and the film are pretty different. And I'll I'll get into that a little more mm-hmm. later, but yeah, I think it's had a pretty big um, influence. So I'm surprised.
1: Well, that's interesting, right? Because lately, um, we in the in the previous podcast, you and I discussed how um you hate how certain movies tease um political intrigue being central to the DNA of the film, and then they just toss it by the end of the third act. Yeah. <laughs> um, this being a, a a prime example of a film not doing that and committing entirely to the premise of it.
0: Oh yes. Um.
1: In 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 many ways, I feel that well, this kind of had no choice really than to be that because that's kind of all the movie is. Which I mean, that in and of itself says a lot, and it is uh, all the different commentaries that are in this movie. Interestingly enough, um, I'm sure. This came out, what, 2004, 2005, 2006. Bush administration. Oh, yeah. Um, surveillance and all of the Patriot Act, all that stuff that's happened, as we mentioned before. But in many ways, the film, I feel, in terms of I saw this in late 2019, it's aged better, maybe, for where we are right now. I mean, uh, that we are in a time in which it has become, I feel, Um, mainstream the idea that humanity has just kind of we've, we've kind of given up in ourselves and we've kind of just resigned ourselves to accepting that humanity will destroy itself eventually and this is one of the examples in which many people feel it will end up going and so in some ways it may have actually aged better as time has gone on, unfortunately, um, well, because of how real life is. I think
0: specifically, like, politically, right? Because there yeah. has been an upturn in pretty far right-wing um, p- political uh, uh, uprisings or surges and uh, parts all of All around them, the world. All around the world. Around the world. Yeah. yeah. And again, that's definitely disheartening and <clears throat> more than a little scary. Uh, and... One of the reasons Alan Moore set the original graphic novel in Britain is because he didn't want it, the, the idea of fascism, fascism, he didn't want to make it foreign. He didn't want to make it like, oh, it, it will happen in some other old different country where, you know, a fascist government takes over. Like, no, it can happen anywhere. It can happen here. Um, I mean, that country used to have a governing monarchy,
1: yeah, Hello? yeah, but
0: I I think some people go like, oh, we've passed such things, like no. like like the people, like think about like what when Obama. Well, well, hold on a minute, uh,
1: hold on a minute. Ask them now with Boris Johnson and the Tories <laughs> completely taking over the country. Like, ask them how they feel now. Well, and how you know, yeah, there's a lot of things going on
0: there. But you, you could know. say the same to America. Like I remember when Obama was like, oh, we're in a post-racial America, you know. <laughs> you remember that bullshit and it's like we'll ask them now with Trump in in office and shit like that
1: no disrespect and literal we'll fucking this. Nazis yeah. in his cabinet um in history with every step forward we take several steps back and that was not more evident than in the case of Barack Obama when it's not his fault but um i think we we were living in this like fever dream in the afterglow of his um election and there's an inauguration that you know america has finally put this behind us and we're moving forward and we're not as racist as we really think we were when in reality no we're just as bad as we ever were and it took a black man going into office to really um awaken a sleeping racist giant in america yeah i mean that's really what it was because even i remember like
0: pre oops god damn it you dumb son of a bitch Go ahead. Continue. (laughs) Always with you. Um, Always. Like pre-2016, like pre-even 2015, I remember thinking like certain people will never be viable for public office in the United States because we're just kind of past that time. And now it's like, no, I was beyond foolish to think that kind of shit you know and and you you can't get complacent with that kind of belief um like um (laughs) i had a a pretty politically uh active family um i saw schindler's list at a very young age (laughs) um oh and and it was (laughs) it was on purpose it was because of my grandmother. She really she she made sure, um, specifically me and my sibling, watched that film because um, it was important. I think she felt to never forget that this um, and and to and push that on us as well that you cannot forget about these kinds of things. That they are very much capable of happening again. And, and if you sort of like subside and go like, well, the past is the past, like, well, that was back then, you know, you know, back then, savage, savage people back then, but you know, we're in the future, you know, that we can't partake in such a thing, you know, oh, you know, dear me, never that can't happen. And that's just not true. It's not true in order to. Make sure that that sort of shit never happens. You have to fight every day of your goddamn life to ensure that that shit never happens. Um, yeah. By the way, that's important. Um,
1: we were having a um, on Red Spotlight. We did a end of the year show with Miss um, Moreno. She was here. Sick invite. <clears throat> she was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and we were discussing um, you know the decade as a whole and everything, and it got to a point where. Um, she was talking about things that she'll never forget about this decade. Mm -hmm. And she pointed to um, the neo-Nazis marching in Charlottesville as something that she's never going to forget because she was actually so affected by it because she thought that stuff only happened in her history books. Yeah. Like she never had the idea that that would actually happen again. Like I thought we were done with that Mm -hmm. stuff.
0: And that's what happens. You grow like – even for like my generation, World War Two feels almost like a fairy tale. Like it feels just as real as fucking all, all kinds of other uh, stories you, you hear growing up. But, you know, it, it's th- this great evil that, that fell across the land, but we fought back and, you know, you only know about it through film and and black and white pictures. And it feels like, you know... Ages ago, you know, this This took place. But, you know, you, we're at a different time and it can never happen again. It didn't happen that long ago. And it, and it could happen again. It, you know, you have to constantly, constantly be vigilant with this kind of shit. Um, God, <laughs> I feel like every to the table this month has just devolved into uh, soapbox political speeches between As us. As I always
1: say, this is inherent with these kind of movies. Yeah. And if these movies spark discussions like we're having, then I feel that that, as you say, is succeeding because that's what the movie is going for in a way. I mean, going back into the movie then. Yeah. <laughs> um, Let's talk about V, Hugo Weaving. Um, wow. I love him as this character. Wow. Talk about kind of love at first sight in a way. Like this is a... Um, He's eccentric and but he's also just and I hate using this word because I feel like i've i've low key retired the word because I feel it's been used in idiotic ways a badass <laughs> um but it it matters that he he's not just cool he's not just great in terms of these elaborate set pieces but what I think makes him a great character and why he is so relatable is there is a sense of uh, benevolent individualism, patriotism that is in him and why he does all of these things. And so otherwise he would just be um, a terrorist. Well, I mean, He is a terrorist. He is a terrorist. Let's not be real. That's that's what he is. But as far as from a character perspective, if he was just any old terrorist, why would anybody root for him? And so when you have this story in him and um, his past and his mission, you're on board with him because when you're a terrorist to a fascist regime, you're a hero. Um, And it's interesting because there are some subtleties in the movie that kind of, in the beginning, you know automatically that there is some, there's a curfew, there are all of the signs of a fascist regime. Um, And as it goes along, there is this sense of, well, I haven't seen anything really bad yet. Are we sure that, you know, Britain really is as bad to the point where we want V Blowing up monuments and bells and everything, and it doesn't get to the point until, um, we see Stephen Fry, um, who helps Natalie Portman's character uh, because she is being uh pursued by you know the British government. And when they find him, we find out that he was executed because he had a Quran, and then things all of a sudden just the tone, you know, in a little bit, even though it was there. Switches entirely, and it gets further and further and further, um, again, another word I hate using, but for lack of a better term, dark, dark, um... Dark and gritty. (laughs) Dark and gritty. We have a whole sequence of Natalie Portman supposedly wasting away at a concentration camp of sorts. Um, And that ended up being something else elaborately. But the point is, um... I love how the film unfolds in a way. It's like it it almost makes you want to question in the beginning, oh, are things really that bad? And then the more and more and more we dive into not only who V is, we understand, okay, shit has kind of just gone horribly wrong. (laughs) Well,
0: I... I, I was going to bring it up later, but I think it's good to set this before diving into a lot of other stuff is the, the difference between the graphic novel and the film. Um, yeah, go ahead. The graphic novel is very much. It's not as um, one sided. Mm. It, it's, it's more of a story about the eternal struggle between um, totalitarianism and anarch, uh-huh. anarch, Anarchy. anarch, anarch, Anarchism anarchism <laughs> um because v is very much an anarchist and w- within the book he's very much meant to symbolize um anarchy and anarchism that that specific um political uh following and he's much less sympathetic he's much more willing to kill especially innocent people as a means to an end of the cause and the the main character um what's her name uh let me pull it up uh Natalie e- Portman. Evie, Evie is is much is more of the 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 um the ca- the way what well, how do you say it the the stand in for the audience basically um and this is one of the few films that alan moore actually watched of that was an adaption of his and you know how he hates adaptions of his and he disowns all of them um but i want to pull up the quote that he had to say about it because i found it really interesting um this is what alan moore had to say about the film um, the movie has been turned into a bush era parable by people too timid to set a political satire in their own country it's a thwarted and frustrated and largely impotent American liberal fantasy of someone with American liberal values standing up against a state run by neoconservatives, which is not what the comic V for Vendetta was about. It was about fascism. It was about anarchy. It was about England. Um, I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. To me, I actually love both. Yeah. I love th- the film is very much more like like he said, much more Americanized because at the time the Bush the thing and it's less about um, you know totalitarianism and anarchy and the struggle between the two and much more like much more rah rah freedom sort of shit, um, and it was much more leaning towards one side within it, but. At the end of the day, I still find the film to be very powerful <laughs> and mm-hmm. very well executed. And despite it being more leaning one side, um, I very much agree with that side, so I'm totally cool with it. Um, <laughs> and again, yeah, I, the, the uh, American um, influences within the film they speak to me more because I'm American, so I'm totally cool with it. <laughs> yeah. So, what do you think? I, I think that I thought that was really interesting reading that and and knowing that. <sighs>
1: Well, there's a couple of things that um, come to mind in terms of film, right? Um, It is an impossible task, I'd say, especially when you look at the history of adaptations, film adaptations, to please the original creator of a work, especially if it's from a published piece of work. So there's that. that. Um, Also, I don't know what it is, that okay you may not agree with it but it's an adaptation you know i don't understand why um purists can't let a film be a film and let a novel be a novel or in this case a graphic novel you know we have a long history of and i'm look it's understandable for the creators to not necessarily like what they did and somebody else did entirely different with it i i get that but at the same time um i feel we need more of that it's okay to have two different versions of the same thing well you know I, to push
0: back to two two points okay I can understand that, especially because if you write something specifically for the political discussion or the political yeah. meaning behind it, and it mm-hmm. completely takes it in a different direction, I can understand being, having issues with that. Second, yeah. um, the man is is a wizard, and kind of nuts <laughs> so <laughs> he's a genius but he's also a nutty genius so it's like yeah i
1: mean that that seems pretty common though you know yeah yeah um so yeah i mean if anything this is how if we look at the pile of things that have been you know adapted from book to film i genuinely i genuinely tend to think higher and like more the versions in which they did something different than the novel versus versions that were entirely faithful to whatever they were adapted from yeah
0: i I agree i like seeing because they're two different mediums and i like seeing how they translate you know, because uh-huh. it's like, OK, we we can remove this character, um, move this up to further in the film or later in the film or earlier in the film. We move this around. We change this completely, but it still, you know, pushes forward the same themes and idea that we, you know, was in the book. You know, um, that shit, I think, is really cool. I think that's really fun. Um, like at the end of the day, I just I like both. I very much like both. Exactly. And...
1: Yeah. I mean, you can like both. Like uh, we just had a whole... Um, the Shining and everything, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah, there's yeah. the Shining novel, the classic, nothing else, the classic Shining film. Very different <laughs> versions of a story, depending on who you fucking ask, but I think still hold e- equal merit to their own right. Of course, you also have Dr. Sleep and everything to kind of marry those two if you want to. But we also, if we're talk- talking about Stephen King, we saw what happened with It Chapter 2 and it being maybe entirely too faithful to the source material in that yeah, regard. Yeah, so,
0: I think um, at most, at most, and even this I don't think is completely true. um, Adaptions should be thematically um, consistent, but um, for the most part. But I can even think of some adaptions that aren't, and I actually really like them and I think they're interesting. One that's always brought up is um, Starship Troopers. Um, do you know what Starship Troopers is? Um, it's, it's the, the film from like, I think it's like the early or not the early the nineties, uh, where it's like an army and they're, they're fighting, um, a bunch of bugs, uh, alien bugs. And the original novel is very much, um, sort of raw, raw military. I haven't read it as, as, but as I've heard and the director, uh, Paul Verhoeven Um, He read a little bit of it and he was like, oh, fuck this. And he made basically an anti-militaristic film. It's like a a satire, basically. That's what Starship Troopers turned out to be. So I was like, okay, like that's, I think that's really interesting too. So obviously they're kind of thematically opposed. Um, So you can, you absolutely can do shit like that too. But for the most part, right? Like if you're adapting a novel, the whole point in adapting it is because you want to hit on the same things that people loved in it originally. Uh,
1: and I feel that that's there with uh in terms of what you told me about except there was a a shift in and the major shift in in you know from the graphic novel to the film from what you told me is that very much in the graphic novel there was a more balanced approach, a much more um gray um point of view in terms of what happens there versus in the film there's no subtlety to what side it takes. And you know as someone, and I think you and I are, are 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 you know, of like minds, you know, that are kind of our ideologies have kind of been formed in in many ways, I would say, by the lack of having balls in politics these last few years. Um so more and more I appreciate pieces of work that unapologetically take a side and run with it. But like 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 the two popes for example, we had a discussion on this movie. Very much takes a side in terms of the philosophical debate between two different popes from a conservative and a and a left point of view, shall we say. And even in that, while we both really love that film, we still um we're saying it would have also been interesting if maybe we also got to see benedict's uh history in his life and balance that out so i feel generally um when it comes to films that are very much heavily um handling politics um i don't want to both sides of the situation but i think it depends on the film but i for me anyway I don't think there's any one right way or wrong way of doing it. I, I can think of films that are very much balanced and films that are very much one sided that I think I can defend why each film yeah. took their route in doing it de- so. It you know?
0: depends on the film and it also depends on how it's done. Like, um, right. I, I mean, I really love parasite. So I love bringing up parasite. Like, I right. love the fact that it, it it's not this idea of like, Oh, rich people are inherently evil and poor people which, are inherently way, par- good,
1: which isn't true. Parasite- yeah. Parasite is much more subtle in its politics. It's Ooh, not. I don't know. <laughs> o- it's not overt because w- w- when you see the movie, it's it's very much about you know these people in a house and things happen here and there. I don't think it's as overt as something like. Um, to, I- I'm not saying that the the film isn't overt with. It. I'm saying from outward appearance, people who wouldn't see the movie wouldn't expect Parasite to be a politically charged film
0: yeah i I can see there's no but
1: it very much is yeah what you what yeah, you were yeah, yeah. saying
0: but I guess like the way in which it is balanced I feel isn't through um bullshit, you know what I mean mm-hmm. where it's like, right. oh, we'll both have good points it's more of like like today's
1: society right yeah I mean, and it's like just and again again not to derail it, but I just saw one of our favorites, oh, not really um reporters from c n n chris eliza um yesterday released published this both sides piece about the impeachment case and saying that both the democrats and the republicans were entrenched in their own point of view and this is why nothing's going to get done and it's like the entire country knows that president donald trump is guilty and they also know that he will be acquitted by the senate because republicans control that and they don't care about the facts lamar alexander literally said in a tweet He's guilty. He did it. I don't think it's impeachable. It's done. It's over with. We'll we'll acquit him. The idea that the Democrats are implicit in the Republicans' complete hand-waving dismissal of an impeachable offense is crazy. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's a it just... joke.
0: And it, it, it's like, that's what I mean. Like, it's, I hate when people will say, well, both sides are bad. No, no. I am very um, critical of the Democratic Party and a lot of... And to be
1: clear, to be clear, American politics. We're talking about American American politics.
0: politics. Sorry. USA, USA, USA. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I'm very critical of the Democratic Party. um, And I have no problem, like, people pointing out their issues. But I will not deal with this both sides are equally bad bullshit. Because no not even close to being true you know um and i think bringing it back to film uh i think that's sort of the a good way to do it um it's not to say like well both sides are equally bad and good especially when it, it comes to topics where clearly one side is worse it's just like well you know be realistic about the reality of what it actually is, you know, um not all rich people are evil, but <laughs> you know you could argue you know their wealth allows them that as well, <laughs> and not all poor people are good, but you could argue you know th- their lack of um shelter and food and stuff drives them to make certain decisions, so yeah, it's that kind of shit um uh, v for vendetta
1: <laughs> so so it. i mean. The performance by Hugo Weaving. I loved it. We never see his
0: face. Not once. And thank God for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was... This is easily one of my favorite Hugo we- Weaving roles. Hugo Rolls. Weaving roles. I need, like, a speech class or something. Holy shit. Um, you haven't taken a speech class? Well, I, I haven't. Um, I've taken a speech class, but I mean, like, you know how, like... Do you remember when we were younger and like some people that had like speech impediments or would speak differently, they would go to a class. Yeah. Shit, mm-hmm. I should have gone to one of those cuz I um it's...
1: well, I, I feel maybe I I've had one and I never really got, went to it. I mean, I have a, a a stutter every now and then. I don't know why. There are some words that I struggle to I have to, I have to take my time getting those words out because I know that if I rush I have the tendency of speaking too fast sometimes, and that can cause me to run into certain words. So, but I never really had any kind of speech—I mean, like speech impediment mm-hmm. class. Yeah. But I mean, for college, I've taken several speech classes, yeah, like you know, public speaking, uh-huh. argumentation, and debate. You know, so.
0: Um. But yeah, Hugo weaving this to me—it's like a—it's an all-time killer role. This one, I love it. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. love it so much. Um, I thought Natalie Portman was fantastic, and this mm-hmm. this is coming off
1: the uh the Star Wars prequels. <laughs> what a fucking career you know I almost feel bad I mean, Natalie I mean she is an academy award winning actress right Natalie portman, but she has had kind of a roller coaster in terms of the films that she's appeared in and um especially ones that are very much made for a more commercial audience. Mm-hmm. You have the Star wars prequels um and you also have. The Thor films which have not she's aged back. well. that may be a vindication uh-huh. of her character and her performance. We haven't seen Love and Thunder yeah. yet so but we know Taika Waititi will absolutely hit a home run on oh um, with it in whatever way possible. And so I um, that's why we were so happy with Natalie Portman, mm. right? Cuz she actually had a chance to come back to a franchise movie and be good. Oh um, yeah, she's had ooh I like
0: I uh, I don't remember specifically, but I think like at the time they were kind of worried about like their career post um
1: Star Wars, Star
0: Wars and it's like uh you know what did I, what did i do to my career but like no i think she's had a pretty damn good career and i think McGregor has got a great uh-huh. career
1: after that uh Samuel L Jackson is still around i mean a lot of those actors yeah. i mean the only one that really Hayden Christensen unfortunately you yeah. know
0: um yeah that sucks. Um, but everyone else, they're still they're doing awesome. Um, but no, yeah. she was great. Like uh, I just want to get to this part because like no matter how my feelings may change about this film or whatever may happen, like the one portion of this film that I will always love is when she is captured, seemingly captured. Oh
1: god, that was
0: awful to watch. And she you see her being tortured, being questioned, and just seeing her break. And then she starts to read the notes in the wall. And then, you know, you get to learn about this previous individual who was um, in that particular cell, or maybe the cell next to her. And, you know, they write their little notes about... And, and you get to know their life. And there was this woman... Who um, at a young age realized that she was gay, and the struggles of de- the family dealing with that, and then finding love, and then
1: oh my god, I forgot that happened. You just reminded me. It's been a month yeah, since I've seen yeah. this movie, so forgive me. It's it's been a while, but like
0: that, like that specific sequence, um, wow. I found to be so goddamn moving. Like wow. to this day, I'll watch it, and it's just like it fucking breaks me. Um, and, you know, to end up there in, in, in the camp and end up in a ditch with dozens of other bodies dead. Um, and, and you know, the way she ends, like, even though I don't know you, I'll never know you, I'll never kiss you, but I love you. Um, you know, that kind of emotional, that, that's the kind of shit that gets to me <laughs> yeah, really easily. And, um, yeah, that I found that shit so moving
1: um i can't oh my god yeah uh, the entire p- point when she's in that s- concentration camp is you know just so effective and, and depressing but that sequence alone and i thank you for reminding me because i just have forgotten about it. it's it been a while um it it's so interesting uh well it's moving Because you have a, it's a roller coaster that ultimately ends in a disaster because, you know, she, I I, I do believe that she, when she, you know, embraces who she is, she has to separate herself from her supposed loved ones. And then she finally has found happiness with her true love. And then of course the world goes to shit and she's targeted simply because she's gay and she dies in a ditch because she's gay. And it, it's moving because if you're a human pe- a human being and you have a heart, then that would get you. But more to the point, the point that it's making is, yeah, she was a completely innocent human being and she died a horribly meaningless death. Well, not meaningless, but a horrible death um, because of this one reality. And it very much again should be a warning that yes it is in the in a a sense kind of doing this oh yeah the nazis came back it's a fascist state more the camps are back and people are being killed and this time it's gay not jews or whatever um and i feel like people should and i think clearly the point is um is you're a fool If you don't think there is any kind of chance this can't happen again, just because it did. And we say all of this on the precipice of a moment in time in our timeline in 2020. How many discussions have we had on any of these podcasts talking about not necessarily the, the rise of the neo-nazis but but the ignorance of the populace the masses the fact that more and more studies are coming out and they are saying that um that people are forgetting what the word Auschwitz even means is perhaps the single most disturbing and frightening fact out there right now Mm -hmm. uh
0: completely yeah and and you have to remember um at this time what was it 2005 when it came out like um don't ask don't tell um that was a big thing within the military there was it was like a lot of recent history, it was better than it was before, but it still wasn't nearly good enough um, when it came to you know gays and lesbians and and trans people in this country specifically. and again, since the, since that time it's getting it's gotten better. Still not where it needs to be, but it's gotten better. But again, you can't get complacent and go like, well, it's better. See, everything's okay. Um, again, we don't live in a post-racial world. Um, I don't know if that's possible. You know, we, we won't live in a post-bigoted world. Uh, probably not possible. As long as stupidity is a thing, you will have people that push for very dangerous and deadly things that... Th- the cost will be unbelievable, so you have to fight back against it um, every day of your life. Every day of your life, and and not in big ways. It can be in small ways, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't want to again. I don't want to get into a whole thing, but yeah, that that part specifically, because I saw this as I don't know how young I was at two thousand five, um, ten. I don't remember. But I remember I saw it when it was on DVD around that time. Um, and that shit is moving. Like, it, it really, really was. Um, and still to this day, it affects me in such a way because you, you realize, like, oh, it was V testing her to push her to her limit um, because he's very much treating um, Evie, Natalie Parman's character, as a successor. Um, and, you, and then it's like, oh, so that was all a lie. And he's like, no, that wasn't a lie she is what she, she, those notes that she had found in, in her cell were the same notes that he himself had found when he was, um, yeah. in those the concentration prison. camps. And that's what very much shaped who he became. Um, yeah. And, in, in, in his and May turned him into V into this, um, crusader attempting to tear down this fascist government. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I love that sequence, and I love that part very much, specifically.
1: I agree entirely. Um,
0: It's funny, when I saw the film as a kid, uh, and I think the trailers too, it was very much pushed as like a um, a Matrix-esque action film. Um, but then you watch the yeah. film, it's not that at all. There's literally like one action scene and it is very 2000s, a lot of slow-mo, a lot of like, whoosh, whoosh, you know, black, um, I, I still like, I still like it, but very much of the time. Um, but I think it's telling that even as a kid, I was, I, I don't remember being bored with the film. I remember being really into the film and, and really, um, intrigued by it and again it touches on a lot of different things and you uh, like the he kills the um uh what's it the voice of england which is the 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 very much an alex jones-esque um nightly news individual who comes on and rants to push the uh, government propaganda and, you know, the voice of England, you, you most trust in Speaking
1: them. of themes here, we just reviewed Network a few weeks yeah. ago. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> um, the uh, – oh, I don't know. I don't think it was the Pope, but, like, Archbishop or whatever that's that's um, very much in bed with the, the fascist government and his – And little girls. And little girls on the side, you know <sighs> – very much like it's not that out of out of reason. Um, I've been avoiding talking about this part because it's a little spooky. Because what's going on? Um, but what allowed the the fascist government to take hold is uh, a virus that they himself had developed and spread. Um, to sp- not creepy at all. Not, not creepy. Not, no, 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 not creepy. No. Um, <clears throat> and they infected their own people in order to um consolidate power behind yeah. because then they themselves were the only one with the cure. Um so that, you know, the people turned to them. Yada yada yada. Scary shit. Scary shit indeed. Oh um this is something that I actually think is really funny, um and really interesting. And I'm sure it was on purpose. Um John Hurt. He mm-hmm. is like seen as the 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 Nazi character. Like the main yeah. um leader he's you know the one on the screen you know yelling and barking orders you know he's the one doing the speeches as they march by the military marches by um he was the main character in the um old adaption of 1984 um really yeah uh i can't remember what it's back when he was younger maybe it was the 80s um but yeah uh, let me double check god damn it John Hurt you're in too many movies I can't just look it up um but I'm like 19 oh it came out in 1984 <laughs> it came out in the year yeah John Hurt he played the main character um George Orwell's terrifying vision um the Big Brother is watching you, so yeah, um, I think that was on purpose, so to speak. You know' nineteen eighty four right yeah Every, if you're <clears throat> an american you're you're forced to read it at some point. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I thought that was a a nice little nod, obviously, similar themes about government um yeah, uh, I love the ending in which the they blow up I don't I can't remember what the fuck they blow up. They blow up that building. Um are you following me? Yeah, I don't know what it was called. Oh okay. And how, you know, all the fireworks are going off and the people with masks they come to watch, they organize and they come. And then as it's as it's blowing up they slowly take off their mask and it's everyone in the film that you've seen, including the people that have died. Um, the, you know, basically symbolically, like these deaths led to this, like the, they are all one people and they, they, they brought about this change. Yeah. The the fact that, that, that at the very end they had, they, they take off all their masks and it's not only, you know, people that you've seen throughout the film, it's people you've also seen die throughout the film, um, mm-hmm. you know, symbolically like you know they are all the they are all the people rising up against and you know their deaths they led to this and because of that you know they matter you know in this in a sense um yeah this is a very (laughs) this is a very like raw raw revolution film that if you watch it makes you want to grab a bat and go smash in (laughs) some windows in the name of
1: revolution uh, I mean, it's interesting, right? Because this is, um, in so many ways, because um, we just talked about this. Mm-hmm. In a lot of ways, this kind—the of, end of the movie—is what Joker was going for. Kind of,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, they weren't going, and this is what I mean. Oh shoot. accidentally hit the thing this is what i mean with with the joker it was you could tell they're going leaning hard into like the political statements Mm -hmm. but it was pretty muddled um and this one leans hard into what they're trying to say politically but it is not muddled (laughs) it is loud and it is clear um and i think that helps it be more effective because of that um and then also i find the story to be much more interesting um like like everything going along with like figuring out like you have the detectives that are investigating v just trying to figure out who is v um why is he doing this you know what's what's going on with that you know because they investigate and they find out like how the government had covered up everything regarding the virus and how they had um they had been the ones actually to manufacture it and, and create mm-hmm. the cure. Um, Evie, like her transformation, all of that shit I find very interesting um, uh-huh. on top of all the political aspects of it. um, So, yeah, I, I definitely think it's much more effective, obviously, than that film because <laughs> I actually like this film and I don't care much for Joker. But yeah, I I totally get what you're saying with, um, and how both films at the end are kind of trying to be like, say something, um,
1: but I felt
0: Joker's is much less clear.
1: And yet, which one got eleven Academy Award nominations, and which one got nothing?
0: And I would argue, <laughs> ooh, <laughs> this this is a spicy argument, but. <laughs> Um, what's his name? Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd give him an Oscar before giving it to a uh, what's his name for Joker? Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix for Joker. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Table that on the list of uh, performances the Academy would never yeah. have even bothered to. The the days of a Johnny Depp being nominated for Pirates of the Caribbean are long behind us. The days of a um, oh, goodness me um the days of a sigourney weaver being nominated for aliens are long was she nominated for aliens yes best actress for reals yeah yeah best lead actress wow (laughs) right damn yeah alec guinness was nominated for star wars really yes best supporting actor
0: the, the I guess the Oscars used to be cool. Um, I mean, still, those movies didn't come anywhere in close. Winning, obviously, but, I mean. but to get nominated <laughs> is just crazy. Like, a lot of people... Now I feel kind of dumb by telling people, like, Pff, um, Robert Downey Jr. for Iron Man, come on. But, I mean, hey, I guess it, if it was the 80s, like, yeah.
1: It probably would yeah. have. I mean, I I, I know that... Um, look, and I don't want to derail this even further, yeah. but you and I had a spat as far as endgame best picture chances, mm-hmm. right? Or at least the nomination. I want to be clear. Because I feel like we're, we're talking past each other, or at least we were. The rationale and reasoning by which you used to compare it to Return of the King mm-hmm. is right. What I was saying is, today, the chances of that happening... Have so dwindled. I'm of the mind that the days of a return of the king, being winning, I mean, much less being nominated, are done, in my view.
0: I mean, I think you can also maybe argue that this is the it's like an Oscar backlash to the fact that mm-hmm. um, the blockbusters have, especially Disney taken blockbusters, over. have completely taken over. And completely dominate the um, the, market. the market. So yeah. it's sort of like a backlash to that saying like, fuck Marvel, you know, fuck these kinds of films. Um, yeah. But then the Oscars also doesn't pay attention to a lot of other smaller films that are unbelievably good and they give them no fucking love. So it's like, eh. I mean, you're no better than you're no better than Disney. You're no better than any of them. Like, um, <laughs> I mean,
1: it's weird. If you look at the, the parallels between our worlds of film and politics, if we look at the Oscars they are kind of like, like the democratic establishment
0: kind of. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Similarly. Um, yeah. Is there any like standout moments with this film for you? Any, well,
1: thoughts? I think what I recall the most aside from that moment that we discussed already within the, the moving touching, uh, sequence, um, these entire performance, I love uh, the little glimpses of his uh passions, I love his lair. Oh, his yeah. home base, if you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, the character feels so alive, whose face is hidden behind an emotionless mask. You know, mm-hmm. um, what you have to do to your performance to make that character pop is well beyond just the performance but the dialogue that is given to that character also just helps bring it it he really just pops Mm -hmm. um so really like my my favorite sequences were definitely um v and it, it it felt especially rewarding that he gave his life ultimately as he promised he would um to start uh To um, light the spark that will burn the first order down. down. I don't know the. I I I, have seen that movie so many times, but I can't remember exactly how that damn line was said.
0: Beneath this mask, there is more than flesh. Beneath this mask, there is an idea, Mister Creedy, and ideas are bulletproof. Um, (laughs) There's a lot of quotable lines in the film. Uh, Remember, remember. And again, we're we're
1: we're recording exactly. We're recording this episode. On um, this movie, uh, the precipice of an amazing revolution in, in that happens in this movie, the weekend before the Iowa caucus, which, which could potentially light a spark there, um, could
0: potentially change the direction of this country, um, which I yeah. personally feel would be for the better. Um, yeah, here's hoping. Uh, yeah, I I like this film. Like I. If I could describe this film and I think this is the reason I like it, it's like whenever people put on like um Eye of the Tiger to go work out. Um yeah. <laughs> it's like you put this movie on be- before going to go be politically active. <laughs> it- yeah, it fire exactly, you up. <laughs> it- yeah. It's similar uh as far as um The ways in which it it just like gets your blood moving and pushes you, like it's also
1: a nice palate cleanser, as it were, because uh, especially in terms of the films that you and I have discussed for Political Dystopia Month, we've had a different flavor. Um, Oh, they're all very different. I've I've tried to make sure that very much so. Um, Some were hilarious, some (laughs) were enraging, Mm -hmm. Um, and this one happened to be hopeful. Yeah. Um, This one might also have been the darkest. Um well it, it is fiction fair high 119 That's true. That's true. Had as far as thing. as far as yeah.
0: tone I mean. Right, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, not as far as like whether the shit actually happened or not, but as tone. Right, right. Yeah, yeah I think it was. The well,
1: that's that that that's true. That's true. A lot of horrific things happen in this um and yeah. But ultimately though, um great film. Yeah. Great and film. And that's why
0: yeah. I I felt um this was a perfect way to end political dystopia month where it's like yeah it can be very dark but uh you got to keep that hope alive you got to keep fighting um find uh, have the courage to fight for others that's the that's the biggest and hardest thing um god damn it i'm not a politician why do i keep doing this (laughs) i keep like started dwindling my points down to a fucking stump stump speech um
1: that's literally um the end of the sanders stump speech from what i've seen oh is it what you you just said if if uh if you look next to your neighbor and if that person is different from you in every way and if you are willing to fight for them as you are for yourself then it's literally what you just said yeah so maybe you are
0: fuck that
1: uh, <laughs> i would love to see you run a campaign though no that God. would be hilarious it would go
0: down in flames no it wouldn't it would go down in flames um oh i got hair in my mouth they you, you know you know what would happen you know what happened the first day they would dig through all our episodes <laughs> of uh red spotlight we have
1: too many episodes and i'm sorry they're not that interesting to go back into. I mean, they'll,
0: they'll 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 clip a thing and they'll be like, Alexis J Soto, he says he hates this. What? They'll create the headlines. Come on, you know. Yeah, Alexis
1: J Soto says he hates
0: Joker. <laughs> yes. Okay. That shows he hates working class people. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I and mean, you can take anything and spin it however way you want. Yeah. Um, but no, 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 no. I,
0: to me, I think, and I think I've said this a lot, but I think the, like, if you want a better world, the best thing you can do, I think is to be politically active. Like donating right. to charities is awesome. Um, helping people out in your community is awesome. And like,
1: mm-hmm. I'll
0: always do that. Cause awesome, awesome, awesome. But like, I think the way that you help the most people is through structural change. You know what I mean? Um, so like donating to someone's go help me fund because they have medical expenses they 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 need help with. Awesome. Awesome. You know, pat yourself on the back. I think you're a good person for doing that. Um, but the best way to ensure that no one even has to go through that avenue um, and everyone, you know, has the medical, their medical needs are um, taken care of is through pushing for health care reform. Um through specifically the way I do it is through Medicare for All and pushing for that kind of shit. Um and yeah, I I p- political involvement is a very much a good thing. Um and that's 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 the message of uh political dystopia month. Um it's very much possible, so fight every day of your life <laughs> for someone else in any little way you can. Uh Soto,
1: I I agree entirely, and I'll refrain from commenting any further because then we'll go into a salvo in <laughs> which I do not want to devolve into as we say. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we've made we've made our uh, uh, at least in the course of this month. It's it's beyond clear where you and I fall on the political spectrum. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. But we're right, so who cares? <laughs>
0: Fuck you, we're right. That, that's <laughs> yeah. the whole point of this month. Fuck you, we're Exactly. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, watch V for Vendetta. It's really good. Um, it yeah. used to be on Netflix. I don't think it's on there anymore. But still, go check it out.
1: That's where I saw it. It was on Netflix, wasn't it? Or maybe not. Now, you know. know how
0: they change it every month or so. Yeah. Um, but you, like, even if you're not someone who's like feels particularly political one way or the other... It's a really good film. Um, and it might spark something in you. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. Check it out. Sp-
1: so, mm-hmm. before we go, mm-hmm. what is the theme for next oh, month? Oh,
0: fuck. Let me go check.
1: Because <laughs> uh, Peter obviously made themed months. So this February. Had... It's, it's,
0: it's feel-good February. I, I felt like we, we, we need a feel-good month uh, to uh, help alleviate this month in particular. <laughs> God, I'm so like how I made this like I made this shit like months ago. How I knew yeah. January was gonna be a crapshoot, I don't know, but I knew. Feel good February, and the first film will be you, Alexis. So it'll be again yeah, two two again? weeks in a row. Um, but you're only seeing it's only two films for each of you guys this month. Um, and it will be the majestic okay yeah um actually that movie was a little sad do i remember no it was feel good <laughs> no i now when i think back it was feel good um the majestic yeah with uh jim carrey i remember okay. and again a lot of these films or just films i just remember watching on tv as a younger kid and then just sort of like being i don't know just sticking with me um Mm-hmm. yeah and this was one of those um so yeah that's gonna be the first film should i give the outline for the rest of the month or no
1: nah, yeah. i think we're good
0: yeah okay then yeah there we go um thank you mr soto for um i don't know just being here being you <laughs> props props uh <laughs> Okay, bye. I'll see you guys. We'll see you guys next week. We'll see you next week, David. (laughs) Bye.